Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is an interview I conducted at the 2019 Genie Convention with the legendary Carl Hine. Carl is not only a phenomenal sleight of hand artist, but also one of the most creative magicians working today. Nick Lacapo joins me via Discord for a conversation about the featured download of the week from Ryan Schlutz. But before all that, the man, the myth, and the ringmaster, Mr. Masato, joins me for Desert Island Magic Books. Joshua Masada, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's say you wash up on a desert island with one magic book. What would it be? What magic book would it be? You know, I think... Yeah, and it's like it's made of like Tyvek, so it's not going to like completely disintegrate with the water and the sand and everything like that. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Uh, let's see. Um, you know what? I think I would go with my, my first magic book ever, like, and that was... 13 Steps to Mentalism. Yeah. Oh, this is a fantastic book. I'm actually, I got it over here on my shelf too. That was your first magic book? Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, really big into mentalism. I still am, you know. I, re- I really enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's interesting because most people know you for your beautiful ring work. Uh, but what kind of mentalism do you do? Well, just uh, a few mind reading tricks, you know, nothing... Nothing too crazy or major, you know, but uh, when I first the, got into magic, like, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. So I, I gravitated towards the uh, 13 Steps to Mentalism book. As soon as I saw it, I had to have it. It's a, it's a really, really interesting book because it breaks down all of the different sort of areas of mentalism and lets you and sort of like instructs you individually whereas like a lot of other mentalism books it's more uh it's more just a mishmash of things like it's very broad like uh the the book may be all about mind reading or all about uh uh you know remote viewing or or pk effects but the 13 steps like really builds all on each other uh as a first magic book did that do you think that that's like influenced the way you learn magic now because that's an intense book for someone's first introduction to magic well it's funny you say that that it's an intense book i thought it was i thought it was normal i thought it was cool man like it um it, it helped to build and mold my my presentation i think you know um especially yeah 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 it's the best way to put it you know it, it definitely helped mold my presentation and the way i approach people and the psychology behind the magic I do, you know, um, to have an answer for everything and a reason for everything, you know, and it, and the, 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 the devil's in the details, man. Like, you know, so I, I really have paid attention to the, the things that most people may have overlooked and that always has, has seemed to, uh, uh, set me apart from the rest. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think I, think that's a really accurate statement it, the devil is in the details and that is a detail-oriented book and and being that that was like your first introduction to sort of magic tutorial things i can totally understand why you would be so focused on details uh starting with a book like that absolutely absolutely i well when it came when it came to my to the trick that um to the effect that i'm i'm most well known for i i thought about every single detail and i put so much work almost almost obsessive like level work into detail and 
it really it really made it, it really made all of the difference you know well i think the 13 steps to mentalism uh is a fantastic book to take on a desert island it's a really diverse book but also uh there's a lot to learn from it uh joshua masato thanks so much for joining us here on desert island magic books thank you eric thanks to joshua masato for joining me for desert island magic books which as always is brought to you by shazam the podcast that hopes to make itself obsolete their january 18th episode features lisa menage who shares stories and lessons for her vast and amazing career go give it a listen we love everything kayla is doing over there now on to the main event. Carl Hine is noted for some of the most innovative false shuffles on the planet, as well as some of the most mind-blowing routines on the market. He's not only a worker for real people, but shares his material with the magic community in his generous and wide-ranging releases, which he was happy to discuss. I caught up with Carl at the 2019 Genie Convention, and now you get to join our conversation. Uh, Carl Hine, thanks for dropping by the Penguin Magic Podcast. It was really cool to run into you here at Genie. Uh, I've spent a fair amount of time with you, uh, but uh, what I really wanted to get into was you create some very beautiful intricate multi-layered uh, routines uh, I remember seeing your multiple selection routine recently that suddenly involves a Rubik's Cube and it makes sense and I was wondering sort of how you work to develop routines like that are you sort of working it all out in your office or are you working it out live in the field like what's can you talk a little about your process because you're sort of a mad creative genius I think oh thank you <laughs> uh, most of that's worked out live yeah. Um, there's, it's never one answer, I think. But mm-hmm. for there's times I'm sitting at home and working on stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I, it's from live. Well, what would the, what would happen if I do this? Yeah. And you have to know your material well enough to be able to improvise. Mm-hmm. And once you can know your material that well, then you can start to improvise a little bit, and that's when you find the little golden nuggets. Yeah. So working at places like, for example, the Magic Castle is a really great spot to work where you can do almost 30 shows in a week mm-hmm. back to back pretty much that you can once you get to know that material then you can just make little tiny changes so I think the thing with the cube that you saw yeah. probably came from combining the clock solve I do with my Rubik's Cube yeah. with like you know what maybe I should try this with the card thing that it all worked out really good I'm really proud of that moment Yeah, and you know it's like a callback to the routine I did earlier so mm-hmm. it worked out really good mm-hmm that's uh and you you create some really beautiful sleight of hand too the, the Heinstein shuffle was one of my favorites and how do you how do you end up working into that i mean for for some of our listeners who might be interested in creating their own sleight of hand and mm-hmm. putting it out there their own moves how how do you sort of work into that stuff well move wise mm-hmm. almost everything i did is a solution to a problem so mm-hmm. it's just a matter of you know i want to be able to shuffle the cards like this and mm-hmm. make it look like i'm shuffling but i'm not how yeah. do i do that yeah well, what's up? What else is out there? Okay, I like this. I like. Oh, that's really cool. But that, that's not perfect for what I'm doing. And yeah. maybe I can combine these two things together. So I was combining some other techniques with a zero shuffle, and yeah. and I ended up coming up with that. You know, uh, and then the same thing can be said for most of the false shuffles and moves that I've created. Mm-hmm. It's just solutions to what I need in a routine. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of guys stop and they think they say, "Oh, well, this is one way of doing a switch. I'll use this switch." Mm-hmm. Uh, the subtlety comes in realizing that that switch is not the perfect in this environment. For mm-hmm. There's always three things I, I like to harp on that you have to think about when you're mm-hmm. performing something and choosing methods or choosing routines. Mm-hmm. That is who you are, who your audience is, and where you guys are communicating. What's your venue? What's the environment that you guys are meeting in? And as any of those, those things change, oftentimes the moves you do should change. Mm-hmm. So like looking at shuffles, for example, I have created three basically versions of in-the-hands false riffle shuffles with a bridge. Mm-hmm. There's the Heinstein shuffle, mm-hmm. there's the Heinous shuffle, and then there's the Truffle Shuffle 2.0, which is my version of Derek Delgadio's shuffle. Yeah. 
uh, I use all of them, mm-hmm. but I use them all in different times subtly where they have, where their pros, whether their advantages are taken, or you can take advantage of, right? And their cons are, are not as big of a problem. Mm-hmm. So like I'll use the Truffle Shuffle 2.0 a lot, mm-hmm. but the Heinstein Shuffle is great when you have to focus the attention and it's like a triumph. Yeah. And the Heinous is perfect when everybody's standing around you looking down. Mm-hmm. And they all have their strengths and weaknesses as any move does mm-hmm. because it's not reality. You're simulating a version of reality, a false reality. I refuse Let's to believe. always have a weakness, you know. I refuse to believe that you're not an actual wizard. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so, you're, and you're, so you're starting from a point of going, I want to work on this particular type of routine, whether it's an ambitious card or a multiple selection or a wild card or right. some sort of Rubik's Cube. And then you, as, you, as the routine evolves, you're taking stuff out and putting new moves in. And if you hit an impasse, that's when you go, I got to sit down and develop something new yeah that's certainly the case uh, a lot of it's just playing you know mm-hmm. you're just like, oh well this is a rubik's cube i learned how to solve it how can i do some magic with this what's some ideas what else has been done mm-hmm. now a lot's been done because i was doing rubik's cube magic before most anybody else is doing rubik's cube magic other than garrett thomas and mm-hmm. and what was done back way back in the 80s there's a lot of stuff that came out in the early 80s but none of that was comparable to what's going on today um and uh, yeah, I was just playing around with it, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and then there's a lot of things that I discarded that then people reinvented five, six years later, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, like the bag, a lot of the bag stuff. I have a thing I'm known with with the bag, mm-hmm. but I originally was doing solves in the bag and realized that's not what I want to do. I want this is more deceptive to use, using it as a switch, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's a lot of those things you can only do. The problem is when you're doing a Rubik's cube routine, you can only do so many things with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at some point you narrow down to what you find works best for you and the crowd you're working for. Mm-hmm. And that does change. I do a different set close up than I do stand up, for example. Oh, so the, so the, the Rubik's cube stuff that you're doing on stage is going to be very different than the stuff that you're doing close up. I wouldn't say very different. You're doing some of the same stuff, mm-hmm. but the way in which you go about doing that stuff and the techniques you use to do that stuff are very different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're doing something on stage, it's very different than also if you're doing something on camera that can be rewound. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so you have to use different concepts and techniques for those, I think. Uh, are you performing for a camera a lot these days? Or Not a lot. No? Um, I've done certainly done some television mm-hmm. you know, performances and things like that, but uh, most of my stuff is live, close up, or stay stand up. There are a lot of people who are sort of working for a camera these days. Mm-hmm. So how do you sort of approach that to prevent rewindability? Well... Um, I'm not, again, I'm not doing a lot of that, so I'm not okay. maybe not the best person to talk about mm-hmm. it. But I think that a lot of it has to do with even on that medium where you're mm-hmm. performing for a camera, you still have to know what your, who your audience is, mm-hmm. right? So performing for a television audience is different than performing for a YouTube channel where everybody's yes. coming to you. It's a specific type of niche audience, mm-hmm. so you can get away with different things in either of those that you may not get away with in the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that still applies is you still have to know who you are. You obviously, the medium is YouTube, but that even within that, there's our video, mm-hmm. there's YouTube and then there's television and then mm-hmm. there's, there's all sorts of time constraints that you can do for a video. There's all mm-hmm. sorts of things that make that what you're choosing the wrong routine to do for that thing you're doing. I wanted to return to something you said earlier in like developing through play. You're playing in front of your audiences. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the main event is brought to you by Equal Finality from Ryan Schlutz. Nick Lacapo join me via Discord to discuss this almost impromptu miracle. Nick, today we're talking about our buddy Ryan Schlutz. <laughs> we have a joke about Ryan Schlutz, but I don't think we're going to tell it right now. 
No, no, we we definitely shouldn't mention that Ryan is the guy who Blaine vanishes the quarter off of his hand in the first special. I know it. I can't believe that's true. But he also comes up with great card magic now, so we're glad that that happened, right? Exactly. Like, we're talking about equal finality today, which Mm. might be one of my favorite Ryan Schlutz tricks because it fooled the daylights out of me the first time I saw it. This one flew under the radar, uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because here's what happens is essentially it's like a crazy prediction effect, right? Where all these packets are cut and then you have a lot of free choice here. Like the spectator, there's no like magician's choice or anything going on, but they get to narrow it down to just a couple packets. You turn over the top two cards of the packets. And then of course it matches a prediction that's been in the box uh, the entire time. The two cards get combined. I should say one card is a value on the top of the deck and one card is a suit. You combine those to make a card and then that card ends up inside of the box. Uh, this is a great trick that's really, really strong and fooling. Yeah, I mean, this this fools magicians and lay people alike. And the great thing is there's like almost no moves. It just kind of works by itself. It's that sort of like Ryan Schlutz where you're just like, how is this impossible? He, how is this possible? He didn't do anything and it just works. <laughs> Fools well, magicians, yeah. fools lay people. There's like no way to reconstruct what happened either. It's so good. Well, and the, here's why it's so great, right? Is because this this really goes back to some old Al Leach, Nick Tross stuff, right? That's just yeah. already great. And then because Ryan's involved, he takes it to another level here. You know, in those original effects, it was really kind of just like dealing procedural tricks where you could allow the spectator to do it. Those are great tricks. You should go back and look at them. I believe they're called the spectator does a trick. But anyway, what Ryan has done is just completely blown the doors off it and allow the spectator, like allow the spectator so many more choices. And it really doesn't matter where they end up. They're still going to end up where you want them to. It's so good. Equal Finality by Ryan Schlutz. You've got to check it out. That was Equal Finality from Ryan Schlutz, available on penguinmagic.com. As always, thank you for listening to this episode, and I'm going to give you 25% off this amazing card trick when you enter the discount code PENGUINPOD at checkout. That's PENGUINPOD, P-E-N-G-U-I-N-P-O-D, all one word for 25% off this amazing card trick. That code is only good for Equal Finality and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Carl Hine. I wanted to return to something you said earlier in like developing through play. You're playing in front of your audiences. Mm-hmm. And so you're you are clearly you're working on the routine to the point that you know it cold so that you can start to play. At what point do you yourself at least because our our listeners might be interested in developing stuff like mm-hmm. that. How uh where do you start to feel comfortable enough that you can play with a routine? So I think there's different answers to that question. Yeah. So, I, I also understand that yeah. I just asked you, uh, how do you know when you're being tickled? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I know, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, one comes down to your own personal style. Mm-hmm. I have, a, I think, a very casual style when I perform. Mm-hmm. It's not a theatrical perform-at-you style. It's mm-hmm. more I'm just here engaging you, having fun. Mm-hmm. Stuff's happening around us. And that's why there's a lot of moments of magic mm-hmm. Um and I leave myself in the way I construct my routines open mm-hmm. to be able to have delays or stoppage because a lot of the environments I perform in, you're doing cocktail hours or tables where you're getting interrupted or people coming up and back and forth. So that having that style where you can play in between the effects you're doing mm-hmm. is advantageous. So it makes it easier for me once I've done that or learned to do that over years mm-hmm. with certain routines, it allows me to then be able to take a new routine and feel comfortable doing it with that routine because I've mm-hmm. have already developed a lot of those skills. Mm-hmm. Now, if you haven't developed those skills, it's a lot harder to mm-hmm. do that with. So that's where I think choosing routines that are actual routines versus a trick 
yeah. where it's segmental, where you have to be able to play with, um, you know, you can be sidetracked and then bring them back. Learning how to sidetrack and bring back, go back and forth, mm-hmm. and find lots of paths in and out of where you're going mm-hmm. uh, within a routine is really important skill to learn and once you learn that skill then that opens you up to be able to say well you know i know i want to end on here let's have some fun right now this just just try this this thought just came to my head if i screw it up it's not going to be great but i know that i have these other three beats coming that are going to be awesome yeah so they're going to forget that beat yeah they're gonna go whoa in just a second yeah so constructing your routines like that allows you to have a lot more flexibility whereas if you only are building to one payoff Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you decide you know what i'm gonna try something different and it doesn't pay off (laughs) you're screwed yeah so that really comes down to my style and how i construct my routines with multiple Mm -hmm. moments of magic that allow me to be able to do that in the middle Mm -hmm. not the opening not the end usually in Mm -hmm. the middle to be able to just on the fly try out ideas Mm -hmm. Or even say, like, you know, how do, how do you want me to find your card? I yeah. have no idea what they're going to say. <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. And I do that a lot. But giving the, Having them inform you. Inform will, you, right. Will give you the ability to come up with something brand new that you may never have thought exactly. of. Or if someone shouts out the wrong card or someone just shouts out a card that you weren't asking them. So now instead of getting one card, I'm going for two cards. Yeah. I wasn't planning on going for two cards, but now I'm going for two cards. Mm-hmm. And this is a routine I can't really do that in. So how am I going to do that? Because I know from experience that mm-hmm. adding that second person that just called out randomly was going to be the strongest effect I do mm-hmm. because everybody there knows that wasn't planned and now they know it's real. They know it's happening in the real time. And that's when you get the feeling of real magic. That's a very Chicago's improv approach to magic, sort of yes-anding your effects. Yeah. Not shutting the audience down, just thinking your way through something right. to find a brilliant new moment. Yeah, I don't really have much, you know, background in improv but it's just something I've learned naturally and intuitively from Mm -hmm. years of performing and realizing that's what gets the best reactions and so then you're setting yourself up to be able to do that as often as possible and I think also it comes down to a lot of magicians um, for a variety of reasons are performing at their audience not with their audience Mm -hmm. and not saying that there's not a place for that there are places to do that especially theatrical environments people coming to see you you can be more formal. You can be, you know, have a long story that's, you know, contrived to get to mm-hmm. your routine, whatever you're doing. But in a lot of the environments I work, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. No. Yeah. The the last thing I wanted to touch on with you is you've released a, a number of effects. Actually, with Penguin, you released uh, Rainmaker, which was mm-hmm. a very interesting sort of way of producing lots of other money. Uh how do you get to a point where you want to release an effect or is it, are you sort of done with it and you're ready to give it away or you, you want to share it with people because you're very excited about that? Maybe you could speak to some of that with, with the way you release effects. And, and cause I think yeah. a lot of people can find your effects on your website, right? Carlhine.com. Carlhine.com. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's some, some things that are only available on my website, Carl, Carl with a K, Hine, H-E-I-N.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find stuff on other magic retails like Penguin, of yeah. course. Uh, so a lot of my DVDs are available. Mm-hmm. Most of my DVDs are available through Penguin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rainmaker is the only one I did exclusively with with Penguin. Yeah. Uh, there's for every effect that's a different answer. There's okay. some effects that I'm still working on for over 15, 20 years. Because mm-hmm. when I say effects, I mean routines that are yeah. longer routines that I'm still trying to find the beats for. Mm-hmm. Um, some like the Cube stuff was stuff that I was still working on and realized, oh crap, I have to put this out now, otherwise 
it yeah. all go past me because I was doing this before everybody else was doing it. Yeah. So, you know, um, there's all different answers to that question. Um, you know, and I could go on each effect and they'd have a different answer. Yeah. So No, I, I think that's a, sort of an important distinction because I, I think some people do just sort of go, I'm done with this. I'm not doing it anymore. I want to put it out there. And right. other, other people just want to share, 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 share. Well, I think when you're young, especially nowadays, there's there has become a cult of wanting to be creative and wanting to have some, an original idea mm-hmm. and to get paid for it and to put stuff out. And I would say... Yet there's there's times when that is a great thing for someone when they're young to Mm -hmm. do that. There's also times when that backfires on them. Yeah, and and that's where it's difficult to use discernment when you're young to know if it's just something you should be putting out now or you should be waiting to put it out for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. It's easy oftentimes to put out a one trick DVD Mm -hmm. when you have come up with a really good idea. Or a one-trick video now. <laughs> just like yeah, you say it, I guess. yeah. Uh, Yo, DVDs. Yeah, what are those? Yeah, what are those? yeah. Uh, it's easy that oftentimes if you have a really great idea, that's a visual thing. That's quick and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much more you can think you can do with it. People like it. You want it. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a bad thing to put that out right away. Uh, but then when you go to try to do a whole lecture around the two things you've created, <laughs> that's when it can. You know, looking when you look at your back at yourself twenty years from now, are, are you going to hopefully be a very different, better entertainer? Yeah. Uh, are you going to look back and go, oh, man, what was I saying? I had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. I think to a lot of degree, you want to avoid being that person that's giving really bad advice and really bad things because you're just young and yeah. and only looking at things from one perspective. And it's yeah. not about even about being young. It's just not having multiple perspectives to see things through to know that there's more than one way of doing things. It's it's totally fine to wait, I think, yeah. and wait and learn. But there's also times when, like I said, if you wait, you get left behind. Yeah. Right? And so that's where the market's moving so fast nowadays. It's very difficult to know that balance all the time because it's happened to me. It's happened to many people where, oh, yeah, I used to do that. And yeah. now this guy's getting all the credit for something I've been doing for years. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel you there. Yeah. It's it's interesting because you and I are both sort of of the age where we I, – I, I think we're both of the age where – the internet started to become a thing, mm-hmm. whereas we had learned a lot from DVDs and books, and then it sort of, we saw it explode, and now it's changed dramatically from yeah. the way it used to be. And the, and the reality is no one knows the right answers. Yeah. I don't know the right answers for a lot of stuff. Most people don't have the best answer for you, and so mm-hmm. a lot of it's just figuring it out yourself. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that it's always wise to try to envision yourself in the future looking back upon you now. And it's hard to do that when you're young, specifically. Yeah. As yeah. you get a little bit of experience and you've had that experience of looking back and saying, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. It makes it much easier for you to do that in real time yeah. than it does when you don't have that experience. You know. Well, Carl, thanks so much for stopping by the Penguin Magic Podcast. And yeah, please pleasure. enjoy the rest of Genie. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Carl for coming on the show, and thanks to you for listening. Before we go, I wanted to give a special thanks to everyone who tuned in to see the 2020 Penguin Magic Awards broadcast live on YouTube and Facebook. We read all of your comments and had so much fun giving away prizes and awards to the nominees who were in the chat. We love seeing you in the chat when we go live and hope to do more of these soon. By the way, if you haven't had a chance to see it live, you can see the entire award show, including special guests like Nick DeFott, Sean Farquhar, Lucy Darling, Paul Draper, Eric Buss, John Armstrong, and Lance Burton for free on PenguinMagic.com. It's free right now and a lot of fun to watch. Just go to PenguinMagic.com, hunt up the 2020 Penguin Magic Awards, and you'll be able to add it to your cart and your account and watch it as much as you want. Next week on the show, I interview Michael O'Brien and get an insight on what it's like to work at a magic shop at the happiest place on earth. As always, we're
we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you're watching insane releases from this year's Consumer Electronics Show on. If you want to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, then you'll have to do battle with the Balrog as you make your way through the mines of Moria. But if destroying the One Ring isn't your thing, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, wear a mask. Thank you.